Well, this is, again, so if, this, if we did not have this, then I would have had to preach with a mask, and that would have been quite challenging. We have to do everything with a mask. So anyways, this is quite a season. Uh, I want to take a moment and celebrate that we have 13 house campuses, 13 house campuses. So again, if you're still praying about it, just think about it, pray about it, dive in. And in forming our um, summer series different that we're in right now, uh, we are leaning, and we have learned from, and we are leaning on some material. So one is Unlocking Your Giftedness by Bobby Clinton, Dr. Reverend Bobby Clinton. And the other is Convergence by John Thompson, as well as our own, as well as our own leadership team. And of course, the scriptures are absolutely the primary source that is surfacing all of these things. And so last Sunday, we started our, our series called Different. So if you're in the chat, you can just write different. But last Sunday, we started looking at how Christ-like character and our motives matter even more, oftentimes even more than our spiritual gifts. They matter more than our spiritual gifts because here's what's true of all of us. It doesn't matter how gifted we are in an area, whatever area that happens to be. It doesn't matter only where our spiritual gifts lie. If our character is deficient or insufficient, the gifting doesn't matter. The example that we used last week, it doesn't matter how well or how eloquent a teacher would be, if they, a spiritual teacher in the church would be, if they're sleeping with all the females on their staff. It doesn't matter. Their character deficiency nullifies the gift. So the teaching gift can be wonderful, but the character has to match it. The same is true in all of our hearts and all of our lives. So again, that's a pretty outlandish, it's a pretty extreme example that I'm using. So all of us, if we kind of scale that back a little bit, none of us are perfect, but we never want to be entrusted beyond the measure of our character because that actually is a weight oftentimes that is unsustainable. And so that's what we looked at last week, how our character and our motives matter. And so where do we work on our character? Where do we grow in our disciplines and all these things? Well, I just hinted it there. We grow in character formation when we actually engage these spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. Today was about submission because spiritual disciplines are how we walk with God to become more like Jesus. Spiritual disciplines are how we walk with God to become more like Jesus. I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You know what you're going to discover? Do you know how Jesus spent time with the Father? Through spiritual disciplines. And so I've oftentimes heard people say like, well, that's kind of like the immature part of faith. Now I want to get on to like the really good stuff, like miracles and prophecy. No, 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 a thousand times, no. Spiritual disciplines is where our character is formed, where we hear from God, where we are actually formed and shaped. And that doesn't just mean solitude. It means how we engage together in life groups and home campuses and all of those things. But also, so spiritual disciplines are how we walk with God to be more like Jesus, and spiritual gifts are how we are interconnected together to serve like Jesus. Spiritual gifts are how we are interconnected together to serve like Jesus. Every single one of us now are wearing one of these when we are inside. It is a visual reminder that we are all interconnected, that we may feel alone, but what I do and how you live and how we live, because we feel oftentimes independent of one another, but we actually are very interconnected. It's quite an extraordinary thing. And so today we want to do a few things in the time that we have. We want to define what spiritual gifts are. I mean this with absolutely no shame, but we're learning as a church. But every time we ask groups to define spiritual gifts, lots of things come up that actually aren't spiritual gifts at all. So we want to define spiritual gifts. We want to differentiate them from natural abilities. And then we want to talk about something that is a culture, and not just the church culture, but our culture at large, 
something that we as humanity right now are really struggling with, and that is managing opposing tensions. We're struggling greatly with knowing how to do that. Other generations, if we look in history, did it differently, but we are struggling with this. So that's what we want to do this morning. And so again, here's how we'll dive in. Spiritual gifts are not, here's what they are not. Spiritual gifts are not natural abilities, nor are they acquired skills. Spiritual gifts are not, they are not natural abilities, nor are they acquired skills. It's not what they are. A spiritual gift, this is what it is. It is a God-given unique capacity which is given to each believer. It is given to every single one of you. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you were also given a spiritual gift. Uh, If you take a spiritual gift seminar or assessment online, it'll spit out three. That is sometimes the worst thing that you can do. I don't want you to worry about how many gifts you have. I want you to focus on one that you can see over and over again, okay? one gift that you have. So spiritual gifts are these Holy Spirit and power. They are a God-given unique capacity, which is given to each believer for the purpose of releasing a Holy Spirit-empowered ministry in a situation. For example, so you may be with a group of people and you prophesy one time, but you don't necessarily have a gift of prophecy. But you may have a spiritual gift that kicks off over and over and over again. So not just one time, it kicks off again and again and again and again. That's a good hint for you to know. It is not something that you just have learned. It is the spiritual gift that God has given you, okay? So then the other side of spiritual gifts, so that's what a spiritual gift is. What is a natural ability? Well, we all know what natural abilities are. Some of us, we have capacities, skills, or talents that come naturally to a person, allowing them to accomplish something. So that could be creative, cognitive, that could be physical dexterity, relational abilities. How many of you know by a show of hands, there are people who are good with people? Can I see your hands, please? And then there are people who should never be around other people. They're just not good with people, right? You know when you're being served by someone when you're like, you, know, you, you should be in a back room somewhere. That's where you should be. You know, you're, this is just not your forte. It's not where you were designed to be. So again, relational abilities. There are people who have these natural abilities. There are athletes who have a different physical dexterity than the rest of us. Right? They, just, they can do things that are different. They can, they, can, they can hit a baseball that's coming at them 100 miles an hour. I can't even see it. I mean, I got in a batting cage one time when it was coming at like 60 miles an hour and it would go by me and then I would swing every time. And my brain is going, just swing earlier. I couldn't get, catch up to it. I don't have the physical dexterity. And how many of you know that there are, there are different people with different levels of cognitive ability? Do you ever marvel sometimes, like when you actually look at a bridge? Like if you're not good in math and physics and if you're not good at all those types of engineering... I mean, there's a, there's a level of cognitive ability. You know, when I read theologians who write on the scriptures, I have, to, I have to read their articles with a dictionary beside. They just have a different level. So some of us just have natural ability. Some of us are good in math and some of us not so much. All right, so we have different levels of natural abilities. And then we have acquired skills. So those aren't, so natural abilities are not spiritual gifts. So here's what I'm saying. You may have a natural ability to teach, but doesn't mean you have the spiritual gift of teaching. You may have a natural ability to administrate. It doesn't necessarily mean you have the spiritual gift of administration. And then you have acquired skills. They are, again, capacities or skills or talents that have been learned by a person allowing us to accomplish something. So again, you may have learned leadership, but it doesn't necessarily mean you have the spiritual gift of leadership. 
So all of these things. So in our lives, we have spiritual giftings, we have natural abilities, and then we have these acquired skills that all of us learn to walk at some point or another if we're able to. Those of us who are able to, we learned how to walk. It's what we learned how to do. But there was somebody who had great compassion, great patience teaching you how to walk. How many of you have ever been around a little child who was just learning to walk? They're just a crash waiting to happen, right? And again, but they're learning a skill. So now most of us who are able to walk don't even think about it, but it's a learned behavior. You didn't come with that built in. It's something you need to learn how to do, okay? So spiritual gifts, natural abilities, and acquired skills. These things can get all fuzzy in our mind that over the next weeks together, we're gonna absolutely um, just pull those apart. And so now I wanna talk the rest of our time this morning, I wanna talk about tensions, Tensions. Aren't you glad we're going to talk about tensions? Let's talk about tensions. Because to be more like Jesus, God uses tensions to grow us. God uses tensions to grow us while Satan uses the identical tensions to divide us. And who, what do you think is happening in the world in which we live today? God uses tensions to grow us. And the enemy uses the identical tensions, not different tensions, to divide us. Because he knows that a house divided cannot ever stand. And so here's what the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 16. And he gave, and he gave, okay, not we decided. This is this divine plan of God, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith. Wouldn't that be a good thing to attain? When we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speak the truth in love. Last week, that's what we talked about, that if our motive isn't love, we should close our mouths. We should stop posting. If the genuine motive of our heart isn't love, then we should work on that before we correct, before we post, before we challenge, before we encourage. We've got to make sure the motive of our hearts is love. If it isn't, we're just adding noise. And so this is continued here. Rather, speaking the truth, but in love, we are to grow up. Every one of us is to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part, not just some parts, when each part is working properly, here's what happens. When the body of Christ works properly, it makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in the very thing that we all need to be built up in, in love. Okay? So Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16. There's a lot of tension built into this text that I'm going to pull out. But let's start here. Division always diverts us from equipping and building up and ultimately growing up. A church, a family, a heart, a life, whatever it is, a workplace that is divided, it's never going to be equipping, building up, and ultimately growing up. And what the scripture says is where we're divided, where you and I are divided, it leaves us very vulnerable to being tossed, carried, and again, vulnerable to human cunning and deceitful schemes. This is what we see all around us. And so you might be asking, well, where is the tension in this? Well, here's what I want you to know. Every single local church is led by either a apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, or a teacher. But here's what's interesting about an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a shepherd, or a teacher. 
they all see the world quite differently. They see the scriptures differently and they see the world differently. Therefore, they lead the church that they are rooted in differently. Life Center has been blessed since our inception to be led in an apostolic fashion. And what does that mean from an apostle's eyes? And here's what's really confusing in the church. Uh, there are different parts of the body of Christ that are more comfortable with using words like apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. But by and large, if you're in a Canadian environment, we're really only comfortable with one designation, which is pastor, which actually makes things very, very, very confusing because you may be calling somebody pastor so-and-so, but they don't have a pastoral spiritual gift at all. All right? This is part of the tensions that are built into this. So if someone has an apostolic gift, they are connecting. They are all connected to the mission of God. Everything is about the mission of God. Everything is about advancement and building and what's next. Mission, 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 mission. Look at the book of Acts. The apostles, they are sent. They are on mission. They are on mission. They establish. They build a church and then they move on. They establish and they build and then they move on and they solve problems. Mission, mission, mission. If you're apostolically driven, that's what's going to fire off. Now, if you're prophetically driven, the prophet, they're connected to the heart of God. And so they are this mouthpiece for God declaring what is, not necessarily worried about the mission of God, but they're connected to the heart of God. Now you pull in the evangelist, and the evangelist is not overly concerned about the mission of God or the heart of God. They're really concerned about the message of God. Does everybody know the gospel? Have they heard the gospel one time? Everybody has to hear it at least one time. If you have a true evangelist come in the church, they can come into a church and they can say, man, all of us, you've heard this a hundred times, but there are people that have never heard. Why don't you care? And the poor pastor sitting over there and they their pastoral heart, then all they're thinking is, ouch, that probably hurt somebody's feelings. You shouldn't have done that. Because a pastor, what they really care about are the people of God. They care about their hearts. They are, they are much more sensitive to the needs that are going on. It's not the evangelist or the prophet or the, the apostle doesn't care. They're just not wired that way at all. And then the teacher, if you're a teacher, if you're led by a teacher, a teacher is listening to the apostle, the prophet, and the evangelist sitting over there. And all they're doing the whole time is critiquing everything doctrinally that they've got wrong. Because they are connected about the truth of God. A teacher is looking at everything online going, oh my gosh, if I can just get you in a classroom. And an evangelist is saying, it's time for you to get out of the classroom. And the prophet is coming along saying, no, 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 when you get out of the classroom, this is what you're going to declare. And the apostle comes along and says, if you declare that, no one's going to show up. So all of these things are intention. All the time. And so in the Ottawa, we have churches that are led apostolically, prophetically, pastorally, in teaching gifts and prophetic gifts. We have all of these things, all of these things simultaneously. And if it's not worse, if that's not even bad enough, it's actually going to get even more tense. Because here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. If we move out of the leadership realm, and now we're talking about every single one of us who were sitting in the seats. It says there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are a variety. Variety is a great word for different. There are a variety of activities, but it's the same God who's empowering them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So your natural abilities that you have serve you. The things that you learn, they serve you. The spiritual gift that God gives you is not for you. It is for somebody else. And that's what makes it dramatically different. That is why, again, your teaching gift 
You're teaching, for example, natural ability. You may be a teacher, and then at work, that opened up a position for you where you begin to teach and you begin to instruct, and that's wonderful. Or you learn something about leadership, or you learn something about administration, or you learn something about working with people, and that opened up a whole career path for you. And that's extraordinary. You may learn something in sales. That's wonderful. But the difference with spiritual gifts is they are given to you for the person sitting around you, for the person watching online. They're not given to you so that you can say, this is who I am. They're given to you so you can have a little bit of clarity about God, how have you called me to serve? Not how have you called me to like self-define. That's not what spiritual gifts are. They're for the common good. And so spiritual gifts are only good when we begin to use them the way that God has intended. The Holy Spirit, again, gives spiritual gifts based on his divine plan, not our human desire. And this creates tension because sometimes we want spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit hasn't given us. Okay, by a show of hands, online, hands up in the chat, show of hands. Hopefully it's not happening right now. If it is, then just put the darn hands up. But have you ever been in a church environment where somebody was teaching and they did not have a spiritual gift of teaching? Can I see your hands, please? They just keep thinking, if I explain it one more time, and everybody's going to stop, just stop, just stop. If you love Jesus, you'd let us out of this meeting. If you love the Lord, you'd let us out of this meeting. Have you ever walked into an environment in a church where all you've prayed is, Lord, could somebody have the spiritual gift of administration, please? Because no, have you ever walked in an environment where, you know, one time, you know, my father and I put on a men's event and we don't have a gift of hospitality at all. And so for the men, all we did is took like bottle, like cases of water, put them on a counter and we put this bucket and just like chucked apples in them. And we're like, hey, there, we're good. We're good to go. Everybody comes in and goes, would you, would, someone with a gift of hospitality has got to sort this out because this is humiliating. But sometimes, again, we, we, we want spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit hasn't given us. And sometimes we believe, here's the hardest thing in church, is uh, we believe. I took an assessment, and it said that I was a prophet. No, you're not. Maybe. Sometimes it's like, again, well, I really want to, you know, in church, again, it's like, well, worship is not a spiritual gift at all. It's not a spiritual gift at all. But has anybody here ever been in church where someone believes that they can sing? <laughs> only they can't sing. Like they couldn't find a note with a flashlight if it was the only thing in the room. And, you know, we, we, because we're church, we, we, we don't tell them the truth in love. We just talk about them in the parking lot on the way out. That's just how we work. That's just how we... Good thing I'm in the aquarium. <laughs> So sometimes we have gifts, begin. Sometimes we believe we have gifts, but it's not evident to anyone else around us. So it's not the assessment that you take. It's the community that you're rooted in that gives you loving feedback over time. If you have a spiritual gift of leadership, you know what starts to happen? I'm sorry, the spiritual gift of teaching, for example. When you're in a small group, people are like, could you just, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Can you talk about that? What do you think about that? All of a sudden, it just starts to happen. You don't have to make room for you. The spiritual gift will make, it'll do the job. You don't have to do it. All right? 
You know, I, I am grateful for those who have the spiritual gift of craftsmanship, whether it's to build things, to put things. I think of, you know, Denise sitting over to my left, your right, just the spiritual gift of, of doing it. That helps every church everywhere he goes. It's a spiritual gift that fires off. It's not only a natural ability. It's not only a learned thing. It's the spiritual gift that he has. I don't have it, right? I, I would make things worse. We would have water coming out of every wall, right? I'm grateful that we don't. It's a spiritual gift. Oh, I'm going to touch on something here that's actually really beautiful, is um, a spiritual gift comes naturally for you, but it's really hard for somebody else. A spiritual gift, because it's Holy Spirit inspired in you, comes really natural to you, but it's really hard for other people. So have grace for other people when they are operating outside of their giftedness. Let me give you a specific example. If you have grown up, if you're new to Canada and you're new to Ottawa, and you think, oh, it's so hot, it's so beautiful, we'll have a conversation in February. Because something's going to happen in February. Watch something's going to happen maybe in December, could even be October. But in Ottawa, has anyone here ever had the distinct privilege of shoveling a driveway? Can I see your hands, please, online? Sign online, see your hands in those little chat, hands up in the chat. Okay. Have you ever finished clearing your driveway and then you see the city of Ottawa plow come? You know exactly where I'm going with this, right? They give this gift at the end of your driveway. And if you're exhausted and you think, I just can't deal with it, deal with it. Because the next morning, it's going to be more difficult to deal with what's left at the end of your driveway. But I want you to imagine that you're, you just have this little kid shovel, not even an adult shovel, and you're clearing your driveway. You can do it with a little kid shovel, but the level of exertion and work that it's going to take you, of discipline, is going to be exhausting. Now I want you to imagine that you've got a quarter of your driveway cleared, and you are exhausted, and your neighbor fires up their snowblower. And you begin to intercede as you have never interceded before. And you pray that they would see you with eyes of love and compassion. You just pray that that individual spirit, of you begin to cast it out of North America in Jesus' name. And you pray for an interconnected heart of the body of Christ. And then you watch them and they turn the corner and they come towards your you know, your, your driveway, and they begin to clear that plow gunk at the end of your driveway with their snowblower. What you're doing with your shovel, you can get there, but it's exhausting. They have a power that is different, and it enables them to do something in a more effortless way. And so here's what I would simply say today. I'm going to use a bunch of different examples as we go through. A spiritual gift is a Holy Spirit power inside of you that enables you to do the same function sometimes as somebody else in a completely different way because you're tapped into a different power source. This is what living out of your spiritual gift, it looks and it feels like. It is the lens also through which you see church ministry. It's the lens that you see problems and solutions. If you talk to a teacher, then everything is more classes, more classes, more classes. If you talk to a prophet, it is more declaration, more declaration, more declaration, more alignment. If you talk to an apostle, it's we got to build, we got to build, we got to build, we got to build. If you talk to an evangelist, it's everybody's heard too much. We got to go, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. And if you talk to a genuine shepherd, they're just going to say, don't you care? You're destroying all their hearts. You got to care about what's going on on the inside. And the question is, which one of them's right? And the answer is yes, all of them. 
It's learning how to work together in the tension of these things. The body of Christ is not called to be individualistic. We are called to be interconnected by the power of the Holy Spirit using all of these gifts in the church as we serve the city. And so how do we kind of manage these tensions? Let me go there and finish with one more tension. We've got to embrace who God has called to lead the church you're planted in. So if you're watching online, if you're from another church, you know, bless you as you're engaging with your church. But if your church is led by someone different, we've got we to stop putting churches against one another. We've got to recognize there's different gifts functioning. We need all of them in the city of Ottawa. We need apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. We need all of them. But you've got to embrace who God has called you. You know, what church do you a part of? Embrace that type of leadership. Pray for your leadership team to keep a singular vision, but honor all leaders. Celebrate different churches and gifts being used to serve the city. And I think humility always leads to healing. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The final tension we want to talk about this morning is a divine tension can best illustrate it this way. God not only gives spiritual gifts, He determines their measure in our lives. This is really significant. If you don't heed or hear this, if we don't heed this, it's important. There's a parable that Jesus told. We're not going to read the whole thing today. It's called the parable of the talents. Matthew chapter 25 verses 14 to 15 says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. If you're taking notes, I would underline his property. If you're in the chat, you can just take a moment and write the words his property. This is God's property that he entrusts to them. And then it says, To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent. Now before you feel really bad for the one who received one talent, one talent was the equivalent of about 20 years worth of labor, of wages. Okay, That's the parable that Jesus is telling here. So the one person who received one talent receives the equivalent. So God is a God of abundance. He's not a God of lack. So when you read this, it's not like even the one who got one received extraordinary. But here's what it says. That five talents, two talents, one talent, each according to his, what? Each according to their ability. So the master determines who gets what talent. We don't determine it. We determine our faithfulness, not how much we're entrusted with. He determines how much we're entrusted with. So again, you might start a life group. And it, or a home campus, and it grows to five people, and you have tremendous community, and it's extraordinary. That may happen, and that is wonderful. Someone else may start a life group or a home campus, and it grows to 10 people. The one that has five is not inferior to the one that has 10. And another may start a life group or home campuses, and because they have a spiritual gift of leadership, they may actually multiply it and grow it so that that individual now is overseeing 20 house campuses or 20 different life groups. According to God's perspective, it's faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. But according to North America's perspective, it is success and failure. And this is part of the tension that we have to throw up. We throw off, not throw up, because that would be different. We live, we live in two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world, and we live in the kingdom of God. We live in both. God is not always about progress. He is about his presence and us being faithful. That's what he's about, okay? And so again, North America is a meritocracy. 
where our functional God is progress. It's bigger, it's better, it's more. But the kingdom of God is about presence. It's about our faithfulness. And Canada, one of our challenges today is that we desire human dignity, justice, equality, mercy, peace, progress, flourishing. We want, as Canadians today, we want the fruit of the kingdom. We just don't want King Jesus. So we want the fruit of the kingdom. We just don't want the king. But as followers of Jesus, the kingdom of God is human dignity. It's justice. It's equality. It's mercy. It's peace. It's progress. It's flourishing. But it can only be found within the limits that King Jesus establishes. You know, a few things that we would just kind of share here is the old adage, you can, you, you can be whatever you want to be. No, you cannot be whatever you want to be, but you should fully be everything that God created you to be. But you can't just be whatever you want to be. That's not the way life works. We have to be who God has created us to be. You've shared this example before, but it's like you going fishing and having compassion for the fish realizing that the poor fish has never eaten tacos. The poor fish has never had the privilege of seeing the market downtown. The poor fish is, in, in, in non-COVID times, they've never had the privilege of going to the NAC and having every sense moved by an orchestra. They've never had that. And so you as a person who is full of compassion and love for the fish that you have somehow caught on the end of a line, but nevertheless, you have such love for this fish who is all they have experienced is this murky pond and you say there is a better life and you take this fish to the NAC and you put that little fish on the seat and you are, you, you are, you are convinced in your heart that you, there is nobody better than you because now this little fish, all they've known, and then you look over and poor little fish is dead. It's dead. Not hearing anything. It's just dead sitting on the seat. The removal of limits is sometimes not progress, but destruction. The removal of sometimes things that God actually has worked hard to orchestrate around your life is not in an effort to find freedom. It actually can lead to devastation. These limits. So again, God may give you a spiritual gift that you're like, I don't want this gift. Well, it'd be great to submit to that. And grow in that and go, God, just change my heart. And so sometimes when we have these spiritual gifts, it limits what we're able to do. So I do believe you can grow your capacity, but it's dangerous to grow beyond your spirit-empowered measure. We can all be kind. And everyone said in your heart, amen. Okay, we can all be kind. That's a natural ability. And we can all learn how to be more kind. And that is an acquired skill. But there are some of you, as you're going to, we're going to see in a few weeks, there are some of you with a spiritual gift of mercy that transcends mere kindness. We are all called to be kind and we are all called to grow beyond or to learn how to be more kind. But there are some of you with a spiritual gift of mercy that is different. But if you don't have a spiritual gift of mercy and you begin to wade into the problems of humanity without a spiritual gift of mercy, you are going to find yourself overloaded with the weight. So let's conclude here. Pete Scazzario says this, while our culture resists the idea of limits, it is critical as followers of Jesus that we embrace them. 
They are like a fenced-in yard that protects young children or a pond for a fish. They are the hands of a friend keeping us grounded so that we don't hurt others, we don't hurt God's work, and we don't hurt ourselves. So let's finish here. Don't, don't bury your talent or your spiritual gift. Be faithful with what God places into your hands and celebrate how God uses others because we're all on the same team. As followers of Jesus, we must do better at embracing the differences which come through all the spiritual gifts. We must do better at embracing that churches are led by apostolic leaders and prophetic leaders, evangelistic leaders, pastoral gifts, and then also teaching gifts. As individuals, we must also do better at embracing the gift of limits that God gives us because the world right now is crying out for different, for people who can live in the tension of compassion and conviction, of rights and responsibilities, of discourse and disagreement. So as a church this summer, let us allow these tensions to train us into how we lovingly live and lead into the greater tensions that our world is crying out for spiritually gifted followers of Jesus to take their place. Pastor Jeff.